If you've been here the last few weeks, you know we're in the middle of a series, and it's called Name Above All Names. And if you go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, there's this, uh, it's just this amazing, almost like a rhythm, describing Jesus Christ in these powerful ways. A wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And today we're going to look at that little phrase that has so much punch, and that's the phrase, Mighty God. And before we get to that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we approach your word this morning, and we think of the amazing accomplishments uh, in your life, uh, Lord, we need to lift up your name. And your, la- your name is so incredible that there are several names to try to describe your love for all of us. So Lord, be with me this morning, and I pray that today's message, more than anything else, can provide encouragement and hope to anyone here that is struggling. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. The name above all names. I don't know if you thought about how creative names are, and sometimes parents, I don't know if they mean to do this, but they give their kids names, and then I don't know if they think about the effects of those names. I always say, do you, now again, this isn't politically correct, but back in the day, we would say, um, is that name going to get you beat up in junior high? I don't know if some of you know what I mean by that, but that so we went through those. So I'm going to just share with you some uh, real names. These are not made up in any way. And sometimes you're like, what were the parents thinking? So here's the first one. Uh, hold this up. I don't hope you can see this. Uh, Chris P. Bacon. Okay, Chris P. Bacon. Okay. Real popular guy, but it's kind of a strange name. Uh, I know uh, of this guy. He was a minister in a Christian church for years, but you kind of wonder about his parents. Harry Pitts. Now you got to know... He's going to get ridiculed quite a bit. Okay, here's another one. Uh, Bud Light, real popular guy in high school. Anyway, um, this was a real popular kid, Jedi Knight. Jedi Knight, nice. Now, one of the other things that papers do that are kind of interesting is they'll have an announcement for an engagement, and they just put the two names in bold print together. You've seen that. So here's one. Uh, uh, small wonder, <laughs> small wonder, okay, here's another one for Christmas, sleigh bell, okay, that one, now this one, uh, how many folks here are from Illinois, or have ever lived in Illinois, so you'll understand, good, six of you will understand this one, so this was a couple that had got married, and this was the title, normal man marries oblong woman, now, if you're from Illinois, you know what that means, but sometimes you just can't help it. We can't help ourselves with names that at one time, you know, somebody might, matter of fact, there is a whole, if you can believe this, they have a whole reunion uh, yearly for everyone named Ronald McDonald. Now, years ago, if you were named Ronald McDonald, it's no big deal. But things catch up in weird ways. But when we read all of these names, we're talking about Jesus. There's very specific reasons why he had this title. Today's title, Mighty God, is actually, from Hebrew, it's the word El Gabor, El Gabor, and it means Mighty God, God Warrior, Powerful Champion, I love this one, Godly Hero. There's another name for Jesus that's very closely associated with this, and that's the phrase El Shaddai. Many of you have heard that phrase, used over 48 times, but what do we mean, Jesus Mighty God, supernatural in countless ways. 
on Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know why the kids got into this, but uh, they had a Harry Potter marathon. So periodically throughout the day, they would flip on one of the Harry Potter movies, and they'd watch a segment of it. And I don't know why, but I was watching this kind of a crazy scene where he was underwater, Harry was, for I don't know how long. And I said, uh, so if you had superpowers, would you rather have the superpower to swim for hours underwater or to fly? Now, that's a kind of a neat question. Would you rather be underwater for hours or would you rather be able to fly? And if you're a kid, you remember growing up, at least I remember this, as you pretended you were a superhero. I remember with the cape and my mom saying, you can't fly. And I remember falling out of a tree and she goes, you're just not the sharpest kid. I mean, all of us know what that's like to desire to be a superhero. And it's interesting that in this, in this amazing name for Jesus, you're going to see that he did have superpowers, but more importantly, how he used those. But think of that phrase, mighty God. And let's just start with that part of it that is, to me, is mind-boggling, and that's the word God. Jesus was and is God. The scripture I ask you to turn to, John chapter 1, I'd like to go ahead and turn there now, and just listen to these first three verses of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was what? God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made, Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, I don't know about you, but that's where this whole story of Christmas begins. Is this isn't any ordinary child. This is Jesus who is God. Now, how do we know that? Now, just think about, just walk with Jesus for a while. If you remember Matthew 16, there was this conversation that he had with Peter. And he said, who are other people saying that I am? Remember that? Who are other people? people saying that I am. And Peter, I love Peter, even if he didn't have the right answer, he was going to belt out and said, oh, I can tell you what people are saying. And I think Peter was saying, this is what I believe. You are the Christ, the son of the living what? God. You're Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are God in the flesh. Now, Jesus didn't say, Peter, seriously, you're not even close. No, he got it right. He blessed Peter, for what he had said. And notice, Peter didn't say, you are a great teacher or you're a great prophet. No, he said, you are God. If Jesus isn't who he claimed to be, then really he's an imposter. He's an impersonator. He's a deceiver. C.S. Lewis said, if Jesus isn't God, he's either Lord, he is either lunatic or liar. But you have to decide, is he truly Lord? Because if he's Lord, he's also God. Now, how do we comprehend that? I don't know. Our thoughts are not the thoughts of God, but we know this. He was God. Here's how we know. All of the attributes and characteristics of God are found in Jesus. There's a powerful word that weaves all the way through the Old Testament and into the New, and it's that word Jehovah. And that word is translated from Jehovah to what? Yahweh, meaning Lord. It's used 7,000 times. And there are very specific times when that title in the Old Testament is directed towards Jesus Christ. Think about that and how powerful that thought is. When the scribes would even 
write that name. We've been talking a lot about names. When they would write the name Yahweh, they wouldn't even write all the letters. And as they would write Yahweh, they would pause and they would actually have a moment of worship and they would actually take another pen or a quill and uh, they would write that name, Yahweh. It was a big deal. Yahweh, Lord, God. And we know in Isaiah, as we've been talking about in chapter 40, verse 3, it says this, that there is a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of Yahweh, prepare the way for the Lord. That's Jesus. And then we know in Matthew 3 that that came to full fruition because we know John the Baptist was preparing the way for the Lord. Here's something else that's interesting. Have you ever thought about what God disdains and God hates? God absolutely hates it when people worship something other than God. The first two commandments, there should be no other gods before me. Commandment number two, no idols. You should not worship nature or people or any item or thing other than God, only God. Even Jesus, when he was tempted by Satan, and Satan said, all you have to do is bow down to me. What he said, no, 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 no one worships anyone other than God. Jesus is saying, you are in the presence of God. Now, take your scriptures and turn over to John chapter 8. And this is one of my favorite encounters that Jesus has on this very subject. And this is so important because I want you to remember, as you approach this season, our minds are cluttered with what? I know what ours is, you know what we're going to do today? We have to get a real Christmas tree, okay? And so we're going to find the perfect Christmas tree. And all of you know what it's like to find the perfect gift and to get focused on all the things. But don't forget, this is what it's all about. That we are worshiping the Christ child born in a manger. And this was God in the flesh. Okay, so here's the Pharisees. And they are so, they are just so angry with Jesus. So I want you to listen to their conversation, starting in verse 53. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. And here's the question. Who do you think you are? So there's the question for Jesus. Who do you think you are? And Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father whom you claim as your God is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. And if I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I, do, but I do know him, and I know his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the very thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Now notice they say in verse 57, this is great. Are you not yet even 50 years old, and yet you've seen Abraham? Now, Just let that sink in. The Pharisees said, who do you think you are? And Jesus said, well, it's obvious you're not getting it, but I'm God. I'm God. I'm right in front of you. I'm God. Funny story. Abraham, he couldn't wait for me to come. And they're like, whoa, did you just say Abraham? And they they don't get it yet. Like, this is God. So he transcends. They don't want. And they're like, whoa, whoa, you're not even 50 years old. How could you? possibly know Abraham. And you can just see the tension building. And then Jesus said, verse 58, verily, verily, I tell you, Jesus answered before Abraham was born. And here it is. I, what? 
am. And you know what they did? At that instant, they wanted to stone Jesus and kill Jesus. Now you think, man, wow, thin skin. What is the problem? Well, notice what Jesus did. He said, I want you to know I was there with God before Abraham was even born. And you want to know who I am? I will tell you who I am. I am, I am. Now, you got to remember the Pharisees, those are more than fighting words. To them, that is total blasphemy because there is only one I am, and that is God. Now, I want you to think of the power of that phrase, I am, and what it means for all of us. One of my heroes here on the faith, his name is Adrian Rogers, uh, has passed away, uh, just a dynamic preacher who uh, I always think of. If there was a guy that sounds like God or Moses, it's this guy. If you hear him, he's got this deep, resonating voice. And uh, I want to share this quote. At the birth of Jesus, Jesus was as old as his father and older than his mother. Think about that one. At his birth, Jesus was as old as his father and older than his mother. So when you go out for lunch today and you talk about Cake and pies and Christmas, talk about that one. I mean, just think about that. Jesus is as old as his father, and he's older than his mother. Now, how did he pull that off? Well, he was God. What does it mean to you? What does I am mean to you? Seven ways Jesus used that phrase, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. I am the alpha. I am the mega. I am God in the flesh. He was then. He is today. And he will forever be God. And that changes everything. We know from Colossians 1, 15 through 20, that Jesus said he was the first of all creation. He is supreme, and we can dwell with him forever. That little phrase, God, is a big phrase. Mighty God. But I love the word mighty and what it means. Remember, in Hebrew, it simply means mighty and also means a warrior. And I want you to think how that applies to all of us. In 2 Samuel 23, 18, we see that same word used describing David's mighty men as far as being a mighty warrior. Now, those of you that are into comics, and some of you are, some of you love to go to the movies, you know the name Stan Lee. And Stan Lee died uh, this year, 95 years old. I'd say he lived a pretty good life. You know his characters, the Hulk, Iron Man, Black Panther. Uh, but his favorite character by four, far, anybody want to guess? Spider-Man of course. And Stanley said that the reason why, when he started even thinking about Spider-Man and why he knew it would be profound, he said, because this man with superhuman resources was flawed. And everybody deep inside, they know they're flawed, but they would love to have superhuman resources to overcome. And who doesn't want to be Spider-Man for like a day? I mean, I think that would be Awesome. I mean, I've sat there in the theater. I'm like, man, that, that is a great party trick. I mean, I love the way this guy just carries on. I'm like, who wouldn't want to be, for a day, Spider-Man? But it's interesting that Stanley also said this. 
In all reality, he said, there is only one who is all-powerful, and his greatest weapon is love. And there it is. Zephaniah 3, 16 17 says, Jesus is a mighty warrior who saves. So this gift of love, the greatest gift for all of you here today is Jesus Christ has the power to save you. No one else can do that. Jesus Christ has the power to rescue everybody here. No matter what you're dealing with and what you're going through, he has the power to save. Timothy Keller said this, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet, at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. In your lowest day, the biggest mistakes you've ever made, Jesus loves you and he accepts you and he has the power to save you. The power of love. I mean, think about the power of love. A few months ago, uh, Doug Sanders and I, we were uh, meeting at Starbucks. <clears throat> I love young love. I just love, you can feel it in the air. You know, and it was spring, you could just feel it. And um, so I'm standing there, and my favorite Starbucks drink, because it's cheap, is a tall blonde, okay? So I said, I'd like a tall blonde. So the lady said, okay. So she fixes it, and she said, I have a tall blonde. Would anybody like that? Tall blonde. And the guy behind me, because I'd already stepped aside, leaned forward, and he goes, well, I don't want the tall blonde. I think the redhead's awful cute. And she goes, I've got red hair. And I want to step in and go, okay, he's flirting, and he likes you, okay? I'm not in the picture. Don't worry about the tall blonde. Focus on the redhead. You focus on him. We got a love connection. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's just something about love. There's, there's nothing more powerful. We know that there is nothing that is more ridiculous, more raucous, more exciting than what? Love. It is the most powerful thing. When you think of Jesus Christ and his power, this is the power. It's the power to love. It's the power to be loved. That's what made him supernatural. God in the flesh loves us. He loved them and he loves us. Maybe that's what you need to hear today, that he loves you. Years ago, um, in the 70s, and I don't even know why, as I was studying for the sermon, I remembered this little song. It came out in 1973, and uh, it was called Daisy a Day. Most of you have no idea what I'm even talking about. And the guy's name was Jed, or Judd Strunk, Judd Strunk, One Hit Wonder, okay? Very simple little Scottish tune, and at the heart of it is this message, um, I'll give you a daisy a day, love, I'll give you a daisy a day. I'll love you until the rivers run still and the four winds we know blow away. Oh, that's good. Good job, Jay. You know, that's good, okay? Well, there was a couple, and they fell in love, and uh, that was their song, and they absolutely loved the song. And this crazy guy loved his wife so much that nearly every day that they were married, you want to guess what he gave her? A daisy. Wow, this guy's good. 
56 years, and then she passed away. And his wife, Betty, was the love of his life. And so after she passed away and he sat there, he thought, you know, I loved giving her daisies. And we met in this park, so every day I'm going to go place a daisy on that bench, and who knows, maybe that'll help somebody else. So he continues, to this day, he still takes a daisy there. And it's in Wisconsin, so you know what's coming. Blizzard. And so they don't know how, but he somehow made it to the park, and then he sat there in his car, because he can't get to the bench. I mean, he's like, ah, I love her, but I'm going to break my hip. You know, I mean, he's struggling, and he can't believe all of a sudden two workers come out, and like crazy, their first priority, you carve out a path so that he can get to the bench. And so that's exactly what they did. They carved out a path, and he places a daisy there. He goes back to the car. Now, here's the best part. Those two workers knock on the window, and he opens the window, and they said, hey, we want you to know, we've seen you come here day after day after day. And as long as you're alive, we will always clear a path, no matter what, so you can put that daisy on that bench. Who does that? It's somebody motivated by this crazy thing we call what? Love. Jesus Christ, warrior, powerful God. And the greatest gift is love. And that's what I was share with you this morning. No matter where you're at and what you're going through today, you are loved. Jesus loves you. That's what makes him so powerful. And I love this time of year because we have a time where the, we have families come up and they light the candles. And after they do that, we'll prepare our hearts for communion. And it's a time for us, again, focus on the love that Jesus has for us. The Porteous family here in just a moment are going to light the candles. And before they do... I just want to pray over you. Let's pray. Almighty, powerful God, Jesus. And Lord, we can't imagine the mountains that you could have moved, the amazing things you did through your miracles, every step that you took on this earth, Lord, you took that step for us. And Lord, everything you did was motivated by love. Thank you. Thank you for loving us so much. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.